Welcome to the Bar Hacks Podcast. Engaging interviews, plus tips and strategies to navigate your bar or restaurant business towards sustainable success. Now, here's your host, hospitality industry veteran, journalist, and editor, David Klempt. Hey, welcome back to the Bar Hacks Podcast. Today we have one of the most respected bartenders and brand ambassadors in the industry. We've got Trevor Schneider from Reka Vodka. How's it going? It's going great, David. How are you? Good, good. It's good to see you, even though it's on a screen. I, we couldn't do tails last year, so now I can see you. So great. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you as well, and, and I am missing tails as well, just like you are. So for the audience, if you want to give them your title and then how they can connect with you and Reka, that would be awesome. Yeah, so uh, my actual title is the U.S. Ambassador for Reka Vodka, and you can find me on Instagram at Cocktail Ninja. And if you want to check out an Icelandic series called An Island Away, you can check that out on YouTube. I do love your Instagram name, Cocktail Ninja. Is, it's too perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, it, it, there's a long story behind that one. And if we have some time, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw that in there. Yeah, that would be a, a good way to, uh, to end the podcast. Nice little bonus. So if you would, if you could take us through your hospitality journey through to becoming a Reka ambassador. Yeah, of course, David. So I got into the hospitality industry because I was pursuing a career in entertainment and I wanted to be an actor. And, you know, I did some modeling gigs and I needed to to have my days free so that I could audition. And the reality was, is that hospitality was not only a great way to make some money, but it allowed me to work at night. So I, I got in through a friend of a friend who bounced at a, you know, a college bar and they gave me a job. <laughs> they asked me if I could make any drinks. I said, you know, I can barely pour a glass of wine. They said you were hired. So uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago, something like 15, uh, 15 or 16 years ago. But then I moved on from like the college bar to the the rooftop bar to the mixology bar to the nightclub bar and worked a whole slew of positions, you know, obviously from barback to busser, the waiter, to you basically name it, bartender. And then I was getting older and I wanted an opportunity to stay in the industry and leverage all the years that I learned in hospitality and pick a different role that would allow me to continue to maybe not stay up until 4am, maybe not work all of those late night shifts, maybe not do all of those things. And now I, you know, instead of doing all of the bending and all of the lifting in a lot of ways, now all I do is continue to talk because that's what they pay me for now. So I'm very thankful for that. And, and obviously I love this industry and I'm glad I'm still in The different positions that you've held, and I know a lot of people want to focus on bartending or bar management, and I'll touch on those, but what would you say the lessons are that you learned even being a bar back and then as a bartender and a bar manager? I think, you know, the big thing that I took away, I played college sports, so it was all about the team, right? And it was always about the team, whether it was my responsibility or whether it was my role, I was there for the overarching team. And I think I got very lucky working in a bunch of places that allowed me to have this team connection because we've all worked at some places where maybe the camaraderie is not that good, or there's a lot of, you know, no I in teams kind of a thing where everybody just is out for themselves. So I think that collaboratively working together as a team to try and provide the, the, the highest level of service or to deliver, you know, the best level of products is something that I was very fortunate with. And I always like 
kind of fell into that category or that click of where it was like, whether it was restaging glassware and staying, you know, late uh, into the night or saying like, hey, we want to prep everything so that when we come back tomorrow, we got a little bit of a head start so we can all make more money, so we can all sell more stuff. I think that would be the biggest thing, you know, understanding that it is a team that whether you are the bartender or whether you're, you got to go get ice or whether you got to cut fruit or whether you got to do rebalance banks, whatever it is, resetting for service. I was always wanting to pitch in. And then obviously, like I said, always enjoying the camaraderie of the team. And now you're with an international team with William Grant and Sons and you're with Reka. What would you say sets Reka apart from not just other vodka, but other brands in general? It's a great question, David. And I'm so glad that you actually asked that question because Reka is a, it's a very young brand. It's only been around for a little bit more than a decade. And, it, you know, it comes from a very small island, Iceland. For those of you who are not familiar, there's only approximately 360,000 people there. One interesting fact about Reka is that it's one of the only Icelandic vodkas sold here in the United States. So if you wanted to drink some Icelandic vodka, Reka vodka is your choice, obviously. A little bit about Reka is that we use glacial water, which is arguably some of the purest water in the world. It makes up for about 60%, not only of Reka, but of most vodkas, 60% is the water that you use. So like I said, the water in Iceland is truly amazing. And it's, it really changes the profile of the vodka. But in addition to that, we use lava rock filtration as well. And our distillery is powered by geothermal energy. So just kind of three things that really make us stand out differently than other vodkas. Although I love all vodka. I'm not, I'm certainly not hating on any vodka. I'm obviously partial to Icelandic vodka. With their energy source, then Reka is also a sustainable company. Yes. So uh, Iceland as a whole actually utilizes, I think the number is either 80 or 90% of all the energy is pulled from sustainable energy or geothermal energy in Iceland. Uh, I'd say that the closest probably here in the U.S. would be somewhere in California because I feel like they take care of Mother Earth uh, way better than the rest of the United States does. What are some of your favorite ways to enjoy Reka? Yeah, so I think some people that are listening probably know that my favorite drink or my favorite way to drink Reka is through an espresso martini. And it's uh, a specific recipe that I got from a friend of mine. And it's a very simple recipe. I'm not knocking other recipes, but I really just like this recipe. And it's two ounces of Reka. It's one ounce of fresh espresso. And it's a half ounce of simple syrup. And at the end of the day, instead of using the coffee liqueur, uh, using real ingredients is always something that I encourage everyone to do. I think that because of the nitrogen that's present in the espresso, that adds a different mouthfeel or texture to it. And I, I really don't think that there's any other way to drink the espresso martini. Which actually, that leads me to another question, which is when you're doing a bar training, what are some of the major topics that you address? It sounds like one of them is the ingredients that you would choose to use. Yeah, I think, you know, my my wife and my daughter make fun of me all the time and say that, you know, I'm always constantly saying fresh is always best. Like everyone says, if you can use fresh ingredients over, you know, any sort of preserved ingredient, always, whether that's citrus juice, whether that's obviously espresso and everything in between. So I think uh, if at all possible, you utilize the fresh ingredients. Now I know in, at home, it's very easy. At a bar, it's very different uh, based on things keeping and, and having a shelf life and, and the consistency of all of that. 
but yeah, I would say, you know, fresh is always best. <laughs> Are there any other topics that come up in your bar trainings, like questions that you get a lot of, or just things that you notice that you then address with teams? One of the things is, uh, you know, the easy question is everybody always asks me why Reka, right? What, why Reka over a different vodka, you know, and you could name anyone for that matter. I think I'll go back to kind of what I was saying when I was talking about Reka in the effect of that it is one of the only Icelandic vodkas sold here. The, our water source is truly amazing. And I think that lava rock and that geothermal distillation really adds a flavor profile that and I said flavor profile for vodka that a lot of people just negate, right? And I, I think that there's a, vodka has come a long way. There's a lot of variety. Vodka is not going anywhere anytime soon, no matter how much, to your point, David, uh, whiskey or tequila, and, and they're definitely gaining ground. And that's awesome. I, I think all the categories should get all the love that they deserve. But vodka has been around for a long time. And there's, there's a couple of reasons why I think that that is. One of them is flat out the versatility. So from a, a bar training standpoint, you know, I always encourage bartenders saying, hey, look, I know you think maybe vodka, this vodka, that vodka has a blank, you know, or no canvas to kind of work from. So you want to use a whiskey or you want to use a gin or you want to use a tequila. Not to knock gin, but it's infused vodka. And you can take that little bit of note because that's my little, that's my swagger for this interview today. But, you know, that blank canvas, I don't know if it's me because I'm partial to vodka, but I know that a lot of people drink it, whether they drink it in one and ones or whether they're drinking it in their Bloody Mary, you know, it, it really has that versatility that I think it, it's not going anywhere, man. Vodka does get a lot of flack a lot of people just outright insult it they look at the dictionary definition and they say well it says here it's got no aroma it's got no flavor unless you buy a, an infused vodka you're not going to get any flavor out of it but then i mean you've got vodka pays the bills where it's kind of like the shrugged at and so i was going to ask how you take that on and we had talked earlier about how bourbon gets the love and tequila's getting the love and mezcal irish whiskey scotch but as you said, vodka is not going anywhere. And I think you're, you just did address that perfectly. So, so we, can, I, we can move on from that one. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, I think kind of going back on what you just said, right? Colorless, odorless, and flavorless is how vodka is defined. Although vodka is very different than what it once was. You know, you're, the process in which we're making vodka is, is different. And yes, the ingredients maybe are the same. But, you know, you have some quinoa vodkas, you have, you know, you have these new things that people are trying, there's new filtration mechanisms, you know, I, I really think that vodka, like you had said, I said it ain't going anywhere. And it just it, it ain't, you know, whether we whether we are paying the bills, and it's a vodka soda, it's a vodka tonic, it's a vodka crayon, it's whatever it is, you got that spectrum, which you love it or hate it, it's not going anywhere. And then the other way, like I said, it's still not going anywhere. So that warms the cockles of my heart, if you will, Dave. I want to kind of switch gears because you have worked at a lot of different types of venues. And so I thought maybe we could go through and if you wanted to give one or two tips for menu programming or bar teams for different types. And yeah. I thought it'd be good since, you know, we're in July to start with college bars. And yeah. maybe some advice for them. 
So I think when I work in a college bar, and I know this is not every college bar, but this was my experience, you know, I think the big thing, right, is it's not so much about the actual perfection of the cocktail. It's about people are there to have fun, right? So I was acting then, so it became, the bar became my stage, and that entertainment became then the opportunity with the guests. So if you made it halfway decent drink, but your chat was really good and you were super entertaining, you probably had regulars developing rather quickly. So I always encourage people to understand that the people on the other side of the bar, your guests, they're coming there to hang out and be entertained. Now, once a wise man once told me that there's the analogy of the customer. You have rocks and you have sponges. The rocks want to be left alone. They want to sit at the bar. They don't want to be bothered. But the sponges, the sponges will take everything, soak everything up that you give. Now, college bars, I would say the clientele is mostly sponges. Everybody's interested. It's new for them. You know, they're watching the game. There's this, that, and the other. You're keeping the conversation alive. As we get down the road with other venues, then you get to some rocks. And I would say the rocks, the rocks come around the mixology kind of clientele. And that's just my, that was my take and the venues that I had. Not everybody was interested then. They just wanted to be there drinking those great spirits, drinking those great cocktails and, and kind of just enjoying their own, driving their own kind of story. Uh, so they didn't need that uh, aggressive, like, you know, in your face, this, uh, oh, I got this and, and this is from Prohibition and we've made this and it's a Cuba Libre and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, just shut up and just make the drinks, buddy. So would you say sports bars are sort of in between then? There are some rocks, but there's still a lot of sponges? For sure. I think that, you know, as you get outside of just like that college bar where, hey, I just want to come have a good time. I want to meet people. I want to get some drinks in me and, and have some fun. I think that you, you can have any of these people anywhere, right? The rocks and the sponges can be anywhere. But I think that there are specific venues that lead towards more sometimes than others. And of course, in different cities, you're going to have different people as well. When you were in a tough market and you did the, the craft cocktail bars, so you were there for the turn where some of the guests did want to nerd out and mm -hmm. in some instances challenge the bartender's knowledge to see if they had somehow read more on Google than this bartender had picked up in the actual industry. So do you see that continuing? Do you think guests are becoming more educated and more watching the bartender and the technique? I think, I think that's a great point, right? And it's twofold, right? More people are getting, especially coming off of the pandemic, there's a bigger education period. Uh, but even pre-pandemic, right? I would say, yes, people are getting more into it. People want to get more nerdy. People want to know like, hey, am I putting, you know, a rosé in my soda siphon and I carbonated it? Am I making sparkling? Like, let's talk about this kind of a thing, Right. So, of course, those are the things that I used to stay up all night and say, huh, well, I may blow up my kitchen, but let's give it a try. It should be fun. But yes, I think that the, the customer is definitely more educated. It is definitely more adventure. They are not as afraid and to not only speak their mind, but to learn as well. And, and some environments are conducive to learning and other environments aren't. And you just sometimes I got to take the next customer. If, you, if you're willing to stay and wait, I'm happy to finish the conversation. Otherwise, this drink's on me, and I'll be back in five minutes. That actually leads me to nightclubs. And, I mean, there are mixology-focused nightclubs. 
I would say in Vegas, unfortunately, unless you're at a very specific bar with specific bartenders inside of the nightclub, it's all about volume and it's all about call drinks and opening up a beer and doing shots. But when you were in the nightclub industry, do you have any tips for the bar teams to hopefully engage more with the, with the guests while also balancing a very high volume environment? I think that there's no way to not communicate or to be sharing energy with somebody. So whether it's a loud nightclub and you can't really hear so well, and yeah, maybe somebody just wants, you know, five one-on-ones and five shots, there's a way that you can provide a level of service that is not only going above and beyond, but it's obviously, again, going back to building your regulars, right? And, And having people come back. I think that a lot of people don't, or they're not always happy, right? And I feel like it's the, it's the I'm in the weeds, but I'm going to act like I'm not in the weeds. And then you're not even going to know that I'm in the weeds. So there's that type of, that's the mental lifting that you do and the preparation before you even get in there. Because if you're not prepared to deal with those things in the nightclub, that when you're in it, you're going to get eaten alive because of course, everybody wants a drink and they want next and they want to party and it's happening and you're there to do that job. Now, just as long as everybody's being respectful, you know, you you want to continue. Sometimes respectful goes out the window with the garbage sometimes, but I think just trying to stay focused and stay prepared and understand you're going to get through it, right? The weeds could be an hour. The weeds could be four hours. You know, it, it all depends in the nightclub. When I worked in the nightclub last, it was in New York and it was a place called Gold Bar. And we opened with 24 cocktails on the menu. It changed rather quickly. But in the beginning, we started that menu like a lot of places going all night long. And then we started to reduce it as we saw the sales and people like on a different mission, right? The people that come in at six or eight or 10, maybe they love that old fashioned or they love, you know, that Manhattan. But by like 12 or one, it was like, no, I need a shot. I need a beer and I need this for my friend and let's get it going. So I I think that a long-winded way to say, man, just be prepared and understand that, you know, we're not saving the whales, right? We're having a lot of fun and we're, we're working at hospitality. Hi there. Just a quick message before we get you back to this episode. If you're looking to take your bar, restaurant, or hospitality business to the next level, I mean to profits of 12 to 15% or more, it's time to take action. Let's start creating your roadmap to success with our proprietary strategies, tools, resources that will inspire your team, activate your potential, and lead your hospitality brand to margins you never thought possible. Visit krghospitality.com right after this episode for more information. Now, back to the Bar Hacks podcast. There was actually a wind property where they, to get around basically the, the cocktail and mixology nerding out, they created a separate lounge that you had to basically know someone to get into. The volume was down. They could only play records. And they had a window that you could watch the nightclub through in two-way glass, basically. And they had one bartender. And you could make pretty much whatever you wanted. But otherwise, it's like you said, it was, I need five vodka crayons, which I love that that's still the drink of the nightclub in Las Vegas. <laughs> Or it's, I need beer, which those come in aluminum bottles now because we don't want people smashing them all over our $40 million nightclub in Vegas. 
So it's it's fun to watch, but it's also fun to watch when a team does get weeded and they can get through it. Yep. And I always point to the uh, the parlor bar out here where Armandori was, who's been on the podcast, and they told us, okay, we do want to hang out with you, but in about 15 minutes, you're going to watch us get slammed. And it's because a show out here, the host decided he would do singing, basically. It's not what his show was at the lounge. The casino was like, well, he makes us a bunch of money, so he's coming in your bar. He's doing this, so get ready for it, you two bartenders. And it was like watching the the Living Dead. These I hate to insult you know some of the older Vegas people, but they were just marching on the bar, and there was no room, so they were like leaning in through the windows, and they weren't moving. And they went from chatting with us to just choreography, and they got everybody served in about thirty minutes. And there wasn't, there were no cross words. Nobody was angry. No one knew they were in the weeds except for us. And we were like, whoa. And it was just fun to watch. So, and I'm sure you've had those nights where the teams clicked and no one bumped into each other and you're all helping each other. So I'm sure also as a former bar manager, you could see that and hopefully hire teams that could build that. I think, you know, you, you touch on a bunch of great things there. I mean, the bar ballet, right, is a big thing, right? Going off without a hitch, you know, understanding, you know, what somebody needs and being able to look ahead and provide whatever it is, whether it's a new citrus bottle, whether it's a new vodka bottle for the well, whether it's more garnish, whatever it is, right? Having that insight and getting that feel for when the weeds happen, it's coming. So don't fight it, go with it. It's like swimming, you know, in the ocean, right? When, when the rip tide pulls you, you swim with the tide. You don't swim against the tide because you, you have a better shot. It's the same, obviously, getting weeded out. But I think bar team-wise, again, it's about that choreography, which you referenced, and, and having it be like, we're going to get through this. We, we are going to get through it. And I would, I've been a, a, I've been a part of that many times where you're just like, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Do you want to do a shot before this happens or, or should we do the shot afterwards? And then, like you said, when you get everybody served, that sense of accomplishment is just truly like, it just washes over you and you're like, oh, I can, I can kind of do anything, you know, like we can do this. This customer said the drink wasn't strong enough. This customer said, you know, I, I needed an extra olive in my martini. This customer was like, oh, I did. I wanted to pay cash. I didn't want to pay it on the card. And you're just like, da, 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 da. Second, 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 second. You're trying to get them all back. But it's fun. It's, it's not for everybody. But I loved it. You were in a tough market being in New York. So I'm sure watching your bars get slammed would be on par with watching a Vegas bar get overrun by tourists who have no sympathy for those bartenders. <laughs> None. And I think that that's, that's okay, right? And going back to what I said before, it's just, you just need to be respectful, right? Like at the end of the day, in a lot of ways, and I maybe have said some cross things in my day, I'll, I'll try to keep it very light. But, uh, I, you know, I studied computers in college, and I chose to pursue a career in entertainment, and I chose a career in hospitality. I think in a lot of ways in New York, like you said, sometimes the audience can get a little spicy. And it's like, hey, man, I'm standing in between you and what you want. Just be a little bit respectful. I'm going to get you. I promise it's just going to be a minute and I'll take care of you. And probably 
I'll do a shot with you, you know, in a lot of ways, or, or I'll buy you a drink kind of a thing, you know, to always make somebody feel like they're whole. On certain markets, it is entertainment. I know when I was in West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, Los Angeles, you had a resume if you're a bartender, but you also had headshots. And it wasn't because yes. you were an aspiring actor necessarily, it's because to get in these bars that were very high volume, very well known, they want to know that their team was going to bring people in. And yeah. in that industry, that part of the industry, that means looking good. So I don't yeah. know if New York is on the headshot thing, but I know LA has. Yeah, I think, I don't know about the, the, maybe the headshot thing, but it is more about like your audience, right? And it is about your following. It's very different now with social media because everybody can tap into their own audiences so quickly. Social media was obviously around when I was doing it, but it's, I think it just has more of an emphasis than it did then. And yeah, right, being the ability to bring people in and host people is, you know, dollar signs, baby. It's been very tough. I don't know how else we can say it anymore. It's, it's, it's still tough. The RRF is depleted. We're trying to get that refilled. There are bars that never even got grants. Everyone's still struggling. So it's tough to talk about trends, but are there trends that you see taking hold in 2021? This is probably a stretch for a trend. And, and I'm kind of like, I would like to think a lot of other people, I haven't been to many places. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was actually just not too long ago, I went up to Asheville, North Carolina, uh, which is absolutely beautiful for any of you who haven't been there, definitely check it out. But I think one of the trends that I saw there, and this is obviously very specific to only you know that area, but a lot of places to survive open kind of coffee bars within their bar, right? So now all of a sudden you're offering another product that obviously in another market, it may not work, right? You're going to go down the street to Starbucks, but in a smaller town like Asheville, if I have the same audience that was drinking alcohol drinks throughout the night, maybe they drink coffee and maybe they can come in the morning. So it's also a grab and go kind of a situation versus, you know, you trying to then deal with the restrictions that each state has put on. So Obviously, I'm leaning into that trend in a big way because I love coffee in my, in my espresso martini. But, but that's all I've really seen so far. I think that going back to your other question, right, the, the consumer is way more educated in the pandemic. They've been doing a lot of drinking at home. So they've watched a lot of videos. They've watched a lot of how-tos. They've read a lot. Their, their best friend's wife, you know, is making drinks and is on TikTok and, you know, is on YouTube doing all the things that we've all done. Guilty enough, I put my wife on camera and I made drinks with my wife. Uh, I'm going to release those on YouTube, but they are on my Instagram if you guys want to check them out. I think they're pretty funny. My wife insults me the whole time. So <laughs> if you'd like to watch me get insulted, then they're probably extremely entertaining. But yeah, I think that that's a trend that maybe is not picking up everywhere, but I think it's definitely something that a lot of people leaned into to survive the pandemic and keep doors open. Because like you said, a lot of people didn't get money. Some people closed up shop to, to never open again. And other people opened bars in the pandemic. An operator out here opened, I believe it's three during the pandemic. They're all doing well. From what I understand, it might be four at this point and then because we're Las Vegas we're just like well we're also going to open three or four brand new hotels and resorts because we have to and that's that's what we do so here they come they've been in plans for years and if we don't do it that, that we just lost all that revenue so yeah people have opened I mean they're they're still opening 
we have clients that are opening, which is great to see. It's just, it's hard to watch any operator, you know, have to close their doors even temporarily, which I mean, that was all over the industry, but it is a good point. They are, they are still opening. Uh, what about like flavors that you've seen for vodka? I mean, I, I picked up the pink lemonade vodka because I thought, well, I drink Spindrift and they make lemonades. I wonder if this pink lemonade vodka is going to be good in Spindrift. So I mean, do you, do you see flavors that are taking off? I think, well, I'd be crazy to not say that the flavors that are taking off in a lot of ways are in flavored vodka, because I think what we've seen in the category in the last, I'll say, two to three years with any variety of, maybe it's not a flavor, but there's a botanical or there's that this is refreshing and this is, uh, you know, not a lower, potentially a lower ABV and less calorie conscientious. All of those things are still happen. And then, you know, obviously with those flavors, right, you lean right into RTDs and everybody just grabbing and going, you know, in a lot of ways, you see more cocktails in cans now than we did pre-pandemic. They were still there, but now it's like it's happening. You can go to a grocery store and, you know, X, Y, and Z carries the old fashioned or a Manhattan or a Negroni or, you know, the, the spritz. And I think that that's really cool. I don't always necessarily know that these things deliver, going back to what I said, as it relates to fresh is always best. But Somebody would argue the other point, the counterpoint in saying, hey, it's getting somebody the awareness or it's introducing them to something that they may have never had before because of this level of convenience. So I, I obviously always encourage that. One of my big mottos is if you're not learning, you know, you're, you're dying. So you got to be growing. You got to get out there and, and, and whether it's taste it, whether it's, you know, read about it, whatever it is. I would say a long-winded way to say, yes, there are some flavors that are happening, but more, I would say, vessels currently and applications. Does Rake have any interest in infusions or RTDs, or are they really focused on just making the best vodka that they can make? So I think it's a bit of both, right, David? It's We make some damn good vodka, and I don't, for me personally, I don't want to see them do anything else down that flavor route. That's just me. The brand will do what it wants to do. And I will, you know, I'm along on the, on the bus. I'm on the ride. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's definitely, you know, research and, and trends and, and vetting all these things to be like, oh, should we get in? I, I always say, and I've been saying it before I even had this job, you know, if you wanted to make a flavored vodka, infuse it at home, get the ingredients and do it at home. I always encourage that because you can control everything. You know exactly what you're getting. And in a lot of ways, not in every case, flavored vodkas don't always have the highest quality. That's why they turn into flavored vodkas. So just, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that if you were to make a, if you were to go out and buy a, a citrus vodka, and you were to just buy a great vodka, like Reka vodka, and buy some peels and throw them in there and do the infusion yourself, you may pick your infused vodka over the store purchase one. Maybe you won't. Maybe you're like, I'm not doing all that. I'm just going to buy the, because that's who I am. And that's fine as well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, everybody pick their own adventure. Do you have any activations planned for this year for Reka competitions or actual out in the so, real world bar activations? 
Nothing, nothing crazy. Like I said, just last week, I went on my first trip. I know I have some other trips coming up soon. So I'll be in New York in August. I think I'll be in Florida in September. So they're slowly starting to happen. I know that, you know, this is like, I don't want to say case by case basis, but all states are different, you know, and, and I hope that everybody is still being safe and, and, and doing everything to protect not only themselves, but other people as well. But no, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing outside of the norm. We're going to ramp it up, I think, big time in 2022. So you mentioned at the top of the podcast that you had a, a bit of a story to tell us. So <laughs> this would be a great time, I think, to tell that story. Yes, David. So the Cocktail Ninja name, you know, I'll try to, it's, it, the story's all over the shop, but I'll try to keep it as streamlined <laughs> as possible. It was a long, long time ago that I bartended at a rooftop bar, and there was a movie that had come out by Tom Cruise. And it was called The Last Samurai. And The Last Samurai, he had his hair up in a bun. It was like, is a samurai thing, right? But going all the way back to 1988, Tom Cruise was in another movie and it was called Cocktail where he was making drinks and he flared drinks and bottles. And so at this rooftop bar, we had rubber mats all over the floor and the shift was insanely boringly long. I would go in at three in the afternoon and we would finish around three, eh, sometimes, you know, whatever. By the time you cleaned up and it got out, it was five. So it was like a 12-hour shift, plus or minus, right? Over the first two hours, before all the New York workers got out, we wouldn't do anything but just cut garnishes, pick mint, and, you know, stock up all this stuff because it was a very busy, busy bar. Anyway, I digress. So we got cocktail in 1988, and we got Last Samurai. And I had my hair grown out because I couldn't afford to get a haircut in New York. And I worked in hospitality, so I had to pull my hair back. So I started putting it up in this bun and I started flipping the bottles because I was trying to painstakingly pass the time. And one of the service bartenders is like, hey man, you're like the cocktail ninja. You're like all stealthy and doing like all these things and throwing the bottles. It's like, you're like the modern day Tom Cruise. And I was like, oh, I'll take that. I'll take the name. I'll take the name. I appreciate it. So it's stuck. And God, you know, it's been a, a long time. I, I still love telling that story. And I'm very proud to be the Cocktail Ninja. I mean, it is a great social media name. There's, I mean, YouTube name, branding, that's, that's fantastic. So I can Thank see you. why you're proud of it. I was going <laughs> to say, I'll accept on behalf of uh, my friends that gave me the name so many years ago. So that's a great bit of trivia, but before we end, I also wanted to see if there was a bit of trivia that a bartender, a bar owner is talking with a guest and conversation goes to Reka and that they can share with their audience. Yeah, I think, you know, the big thing, like I harped on in the beginning with Reka is, you know, it is one of the only Icelandic vodkas. It's a beautiful vodka that in a, in a category that is defined as colorless, odorless, and flavorless. Reka definitely has a flavor profile, and it really stands up in a cocktail, something a little bit heavier, like a Bloody Mary. But it also makes a great, you know, five to one martini. And, and the versatility of the ingredients that we use to produce Reka, and then the process in which we make it. and the way that it's packaged up and delivered by William Grant and Sons is truly amazing. If you guys haven't tried Reka Vodka before, definitely try it. We're on Drizzly. We're on Reka.com. You can type in your zip code and find where Reka is in your area. You can always hit me up on Cocktail Ninja at Instagram, and I can always help you track it down. And of course, if you needed recipes, I'm your guy. I really appreciate your time. This was 
This was great. I really enjoyed this. Awesome. David, I did as well. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to the Bar Hacks podcast produced by KRG Hospitality and hosted by me, David Clement. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Follow us on Twitter at Ask Bar Hacks and Instagram at Bar Hacks. Talk to you soon.